Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, annuities and perpetuities, and there is a little bit of cleanup from the last lecture uh, for Excel Stupid Pet Tricks, and so uh, if uh, make sure that you have a computer out, no, not just tapping, writing your notes, unless you're just scripting, um, but pull your computer out so that we can do the Excel stupid pet tricks here in a while. Uh, I'm kind of amazed. There are a couple of things I'm tempted to show you, but they're not necessary, so I kind of lay off those. But quick look at the markets today. This is a kind of a difficult day on because it is pretty much a flat day. You can see that the Dow is down about a quarter of a percent. S&P 500 is down less and the Nasdaq is up a little bit. And overall that kind of tends to indicate that there is uh, not a certain direction that the market wants to take right now. The inflation numbers came in a little bit hotter than we were expecting, and so that's going to slow down any easing of uh, monetary policy by the Fed. But overall, it's just sort of like staring, uh, the market is staring into a fog bank right now. Uh, two traders that I was talking to last night, uh, they, they were just saying, well, there's some people who are thinking that it's going to be still strong, but we're not going to step into that until we see more, more signals, more news that it's going to be a strong uh, economy going into the spring. But as you can see, crude has slid back down into uh, the uh, 70s again, as I would have expected it to. We're not going to have any major run-up in crude oil prices unless there is some unforeseen crisis that's going to come out of the Middle East or Eastern Europe. So the, uh, this is kind of a holding pattern right now. As you can see, it's been bouncing around uh, through the day today. Gold down. It took a hard plunge, which was a little surprise, surprising with that inflation news. You would have thought gold would have had a, a, a surge a little bit as a hedge against inflation. But instead, it just took a toilet break early this morning. And it just, once it, so there was some bad news, and I don't know what it was, but you can see that bad news being manifest in that price drop. Once that bad news had been absorbed into the prevailing price, then the market just kind of floated for gold. Now, silver also took a plunge too. So this was a broad-based metals uh, sell-off. Silver has been climbing a little bit because, you know, there's always going to be demand for silver just because of its, all of its uses. So uh, hard to say what spooked the uh, metal people so much. Ten-year bond 
prices are up, or rather yields are up, and that means that the prices are down. So there's a sell-off in the bond market going on right now. That's kind of hard, uh, but it's not going over here. That sell-off in the bond market isn't really going into stocks, and it's certainly not going into the commodities like oil, and it's not going into the metals, so it's a sell-off in bonds. I mean, you know, that's uh, apparently that money just went into cash, and it's going to just sit there in the cash for a while. But that sell-off in bonds, the yields going up, of course, that's interest rates going up, which is never a good, good news for an economy that's trying to do well. But anyway, over here on the other side of the Pacific, uh, you saw that, well, where is, oh, the Nikkei's over here. The Nikkei, although it started out in positive territory, it just took a dive in the morning, in the later morning in Tokyo. And then once it had finished clearing that mess out, it just floated, no more bad news. On the other hand, once the sun had gone down in Japan, it rose in Europe and it rose in Great Britain, the Financial Times uh, started out with a little drop and then it groveled back up through the day. So it's hard to say. Let me check, let me look at something quick here. Let me look at the pattern. Now here's an interesting thing. You see, looking at the S&P 500, and I take that as sort of like, remember, it's about two-thirds of the world, world's capital value, uh, equity value, is in the S&P 500 stocks. It took that plunge right, off, right out of the gates this morning. And then it groveled back almost to positive. And then the bears grabbed a hold a little bit. But it, it looks like the market wants to recover. There's, a, there's bulls pulling it back up, and it's almost at even now. I'm almost, I, I'm almost curious to check it at the end of the hour, uh, our hour and 15 minutes, to see if it's made it into positive territory. The Dow is doing the same thing, this ex almost identical pattern. And of course, the uh, stupid NASDAQ, small cap, hundreds of thousands of small cap companies, it doesn't seem to be bothered by whatever is fussing the uh, big companies right now. The small companies seem to be doing okay. Really quick, just to look at a couple, just to keep you uh, fresh on looking at stocks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, oh, uh, one that used to be kind of a high flyer, and it has had so many problems over the years, floating on the brink of bankruptcy, closing stores, and it has just announced that the store here in our area has finally closed, uh, or is about to close, Bed Bath & Beyond. Whoops. Bed Bath & Beyond, B-B-B-Y. Okay, just have a look at it real quick here. Yep. <laughs> real bad shape. I mean, this is penny stock territory. It's also, notice the beta is stupid high. P.E. ratio, N.A., because it has negative earnings, a P.E. ratio won't be re will not be reported because it wouldn't have any meaning. So as you can see here, this company is in serious trouble. It's a high-risk stock to buy. Now, there's some who th throw money into this at a buck 88 a share or so. 
I mean, it's like, what are you going to lose? Throw a hundred bucks into it and see if it recovers. Uh, to their credit, they're trying to stay alive, but their strategy is highly questionable by financial analysts. Closing stores, they say, are not profitable, and they switched over from mostly merchandise from their traditional mid to higher level uh, producers, and now they're going to more and more house brands. That's generally not a good idea because the loyal customer base went there for those better brands, and now all you're going to get is the cheapo stuff that has their label on it. So, you know, from an analyst's point of view, this is a real no-go. However, there are others that are probably in a little better shape. Just a quick pass by to look at Target. Now, that one is up strongly today. Now, if you look at that, that's two and a quarter percent up for the day in a market that is barely you know, holding even uh, right now. I'm going to look down here real quick. Okay. Look here. Earnings, th these are earnings reports over the last several quarters. Now, back the first quarter of 22, they forecast their earnings and they exceeded the forecast. Great news. And then they missed their, the next quarter, they missed uh, their estimate and it was a pretty hard miss. Bad news. Sell off, get out of there. And then they still were too optimistic in their estimate for the next quarter. That would be Q3 of last year. And then they missed their estimate for this time too. Now here's what I am guessing right now is that the market thinks they're going to hit, hit or exceed their uh, earnings estimate on the, on the 27th of February. There's what we call, the term is, there's an earnings call where Target, a day or so before or at the day that they announce their earnings, they call the major uh, big boys and women on Wall Street and they have a talk with them. Well, this is what's happening. You were going to report. And so here's why it's happening. It looks to me as if they're expecting that call to be favorable this time. That's my guess. That's why the stock is moving upward like it is. Remember, there's an old saying, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. So right now would be the buying opportunity for the heavies. They're buying on rumors of a good, of a good earnings report. And then as soon as that earnings report comes out, everyone's going to be running for the hills probably. And that's just an old rule of thumb. It's not certain that that's a good idea, but in a case like this, it looks to me like that old rumor, that old rule of thumb is in play. Buy on the rumor that they're going to have good earnings, and then when the earnings come out, good or bad, just get the hell out of there. I learned that the hard way. I put money into uh, Campbell's on, rumor, uh, on rumors that they were going to have a good earnings report. Well, the, day, the night before the earnings report, Campbell's in the overnight market and in the pre-market, it was collapsing and I couldn't get out. I lost my shirt and then Campbell's comes out with good earnings. So that was, I should have sold the day before the earnings, even though it was going to be a decent earnings report, they sold, uh, the big boys sold on the news. It just irritates the hell out of me. But anyway, 
another one sort of in the same area, Home Depot, HD. And I'm showing you a little about looking at earnings. Notice Home Depot is up, well, more than a half a percent, almost two-thirds of a percent. Home Depot, let's see when their earnings are coming out. This is an earnings season. Notice that they have exceeded their estimates for since last year. They've been, uh, they've been hitting their uh, estimate pretty darn well. Uh, and so there's probably an expectation. They, they've said, this is what we think we're going to have for earnings. And there's rumors that when they announced what the actual number was, it will be better than they forecasted. And that's probably why this is going up. Expectations uh, that they're going to continue what they've been doing. Just uh, a little bit there. Now, notice Home Depot is actually strong. They're profitable. They pay a nice dividend, a little below a beta of one, so they're relatively, you know, about the market fluctuation, but the P.E. ratio is a little low. So that would mean that there's probably a little bit of potential for upside movement in the price. We'll see, though. We'll go back to these. When is, their, when is their next earnings report coming out? Yeah, just in a few days here. This is earnings season, by the way. Uh, so we keep an eye on this, not just for these companies, but for the overall economy. Now we can see the final numbers. How did the Christmas season come out? Was it a good season or not? We are expecting that it will be above average this year, uh, above what, uh, normal. So that would be good for news for the economy, and that will be good news for you for hiring because companies will see that we are, we did come through the, uh, uh, a dodgy time, and so there will be some hiring out there going on. How much? It's hard to say. Okay. Enough of the uh, talk about these for the time being. A couple of matters that uh, I'll bring up, just tying up the last lecture. Uh, you remember the PV and the FV, future value, present value, and all that. And I showed you the PV formula, the FV formula. And I also finished up with one last time, and I'll repeat it here. How long, and would it take to double $5,000 in an account with an APR Just slipped my mind. What was the APR on this problem, the doubling? 4.09, thank you. And what was the compoundings? Weekly. Weekly. Compound, thank you.
Now, remember the logarithmic old school math way of doing this. FV 10,000 equals the PV of 5,000 times 1 plus 0 0.049 over 52 to the 52 times the number of years T. And I'll, I'll just write the, how, how you turn things around, divide both sides by 5,000, and that gives you the log of 2 over, the natural log of 2 over the log of uh, 1 plus 0 0.0409 over 52, and then you times that by 52. You remember that? I derived it the last time, and I'm not going to do that again, but that was how you calculate it. Now, if you want to do it that way, more power to you. There are, there's a way in your calculator to do it very rapidly, and then I'm going to show you the way in Excel to do it. I think I, sh I'm not sure, I think I showed you the way in the calculator last time, but let me show you how to do this in Excel. And there are a couple of problems in your homework, and I'll have one on the midterm exam where I'll ask you to do this. Don't, well, if you like math, I mean, this is, I mean, for people who have no life like me, that's okay to do it that way, but you can do it a lot easier. So you turn the calculator on. Now you go apps, finance, and you go to the TVM solver. Now, you're, you don't know the N. But you do know the I percent. It's 4.09 divided by 52. Remember, the I percent divide and the N is a multiply. So we have to divide into 52 compoundings a year. Now the present value is the negative 5,000. And there are no payments along the way, but the future value is positive 10,000. And you leave everything else alone. And then you go back up to the N, and you say alpha solve. Now remember, it's going to give you your answer. You gave it the information in weeks, the percentage in weeks. So you are going to have to, that what it will give you is an answer for the N in weeks. 881.6 weeks. So. In order for that to be turned into years, you have to divide it by 52 weeks per year. And then you just drop down 16.95 years. That's one way you can do it. And truth be told, that's actually pretty easy to do it that way. I mean, there's nothing hard about that. But you do have to remember that the answer you put in the interest rate in weeks, so it's going to give you the answer in weeks. So you have to correct for that. That's the only thing you have to remember to do it this way. However, you can also do it in Excel. There's, uh, in Excel, there's a way to do this, this uh, the same. And I'm just going to put in Present value, future value, years, 
number of compoundings per year. Um, what else am I trying to think of here? Oh, payments. I think that's enough to do this. Okay, now the present value. And again, I caution, remember that you have to use a negative sign for a present value in calculate, financial calculators and in Excel. So it's gonna be negative $5,000, future values 10,000, the compoundings per year is 52, Oh, I forgot the APR. The APR. I knew I was forgetting something I couldn't remember. You don't know the years. The compoundings per year is 52. The payments, there are no payments along the way, and the APR is 4.09%. Be sure to put in the percent so it knows that you really mean a decimal. Now here's how this one works. Okay, you're going to get, I think you'll get about five Excel or six Excel functions this week in the class. Equals. This one is called NPER, number of periods. Now let, the, let Excel help you. It wants to know the rate. The rate is going to be 4.09 divided by the compoundings per year which was B4, comma, payments, none, and the present value is 5,000. And the future value is 10,000. Now that last one that it's offering, say you can put this in, it's in brackets so it's not necessary, it is the type. Now we'll get into this in this lecture. A type zero is an ordinary annuity. A type one is an, an, an annuity due. This is just an ordinary annuity and the default is zero. So if you don't put it in, it uses the default of zero. Close the parentheses. And notice that it gave it to you in weeks. You gave it an interest rate in weeks, and so you get out. So if you wanted to correct that, you would want to fix that formula with one little addition divided by the compoundings per year. My ass. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking at it, I, it went down to the 52, and I think, no, that's not right. Yeah, that's my favorite. If you see me working on Excel, I'll say my ass about 10 times every night working in it. Okay, so there you go. There's your answer. Now, if you want to be just a little stupid pet trick here, um, if you want to do something really stupid, you can always, if you want to look fancy, ampersand, quote, space, years. 
if you want to put a label on it to look like you're really butch. If you put an ampersand and then quotes, it will actually put after the number what the units that you, you wanted are. There is another way to do it using, um, um, using special uh, in the formatting of cells, you can do it. But this is one way if you have something where you want the results to be in units for presentation or something like that, you can do it this way. Otherwise, don't worry about it for obviously for my class. But it's just something that you can know that as soon as you put the ampersand and quotes, it will give you the answer of the next one. There's another stupid trick here too. You can also put in ampersand and then the quotes, just a space, and then an ampersand and another formula, and you'll get a pair of calculations. You can chain all in one cell some numbers if you want. You know, that's, that's just out there for you if you want to do that. Otherwise, just leave it like that, okay? So that's the Excel way. Now you notice that that and PER compared to that, you probably would want to do this if you can remember the formula. And um, that's something that I'm almost thinking is for your uh, midterm, if you want to have, I always allow you to have a four by six card, front and back of notes. If you, I'm thinking of also allowing you a four by six with just Excel functions on it. Or if you have one of those cards that you can buy at the bookstore with Excel functions, you can have that with you too for it, just for the Excel functions. Because I mean, there's, it's just like an ocean. And even in this class, I go through a total of about 30 by the end. No, about 20 by the end. But anyway, that's that. Now, taking that off the table here, let me take you on a, uh, back off all this nonsense. Hey. That future value formula. value times 1 plus r over n. That's periodic interest rate. And that's the number of periods. That's t times the compoundings per year. Let me show you something here. I'm just going to do a quick dirty here. Um, I'm trying to think of how to do, how to set this up. Um, present value, and I'm going to put in uh, APR, 
number of years number of compoundings per year. And the future value. Let's say that you put in $4,000. And your APR is 4.69%. And you put it in for, let's say, 10 years. Now, what I'm going to do in this is I'm going to change the number of compoundings per year. I'm going to start with one. Uh, let me, one compounding per year, then two, then four, then six, then monthly, weekly, daily. I'm going to do up, go up here, future value equals FV rate 4.69%. Now I'm going to do something here. I'm going to hit F4 because I'm going to make that an ab, well, I, I'm going to make that an absolute reference. I don't really need to, but I'm going to. Now, the number of compoundings would be 1 times the 10 years. And I'm going to make that an absolute reference as well. You don't actually need to know exactly why I'm doing this, but just bear with me. And the present value, you see something I did there? I didn't put that in as a negative. God, why did they even let me be in? public uh, A2. And I'm going to get a nice error when I spit this out. Whoops. I screwed that up big time. Negative. Let me fix this. I've got a mistake in my formula here. Um, comma, D2, let me start over again, I screwed something up there, equals FV times uh, future value of my rate divided by the compoundings. Whoops, I want to have my rate stay the same, uh, F4, divided by the number of compoundings per year. No. Okay, reset, reset myself. Rate 4.09 divided by the number of compoundings. Now the number of periods would be the number of years. Make that an absolute reference. 
and the payments per year. There are none. I should have put that in there. But, and the present value is that. See if I can get it this time. Yeah, there we go. Now, I'm going to, I got a space in there. I wonder why I had that gap. Really? Let's try that, too. Okay, now, watch what happens. Everything is going to stay the same because of those absolute references. Those absolute references. Let me make sure that I've got everything right here. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I'll have to do that just in F four. See originally I was just gonna copy the whole table down, but I'm just gonna do this. Watch what happens to the future value if the only thing that changes is the number of compoundings per year. Now there's something wrong here. Yes, you do. Number of, okay. Compoundings per year, number of periods, yeah, number of periods times C2. Times. Yeah, that was what I was doing wrong. There we go. Apologies for that. I was not prepared to actually use my brain today. Notice something about the future value. Even though the number of years is staying the same and the APR is staying the same and the present value is staying the same, as you increase the, the number of compoundings per year, the future value increases. The reason, now, there's a reason why banks offer more than one compounding per year. And it goes back to the, to the 1930s. Was at that time, the banking regulators put a cap on the interest rate that banks could pay or offer on savings accounts. And so at first, this really didn't matter. 5.25% interest rates were much lower than that, so no one cared. But as the years went by and prevailing interest rates of alternative investments rose above that cap, the banks were stuck with this law that said they could offer only 5.25% APR. And so they said, well, the law doesn't say anything about how many compoundings per year. So the way they got around that cap was to start increasing the number of compoundings per year. So that that 5.25% that was originally there was able to be jumped a little bit. That's where the compounding started to come into effect. Now there is a calculation which will allow you to find out what this rate is that is effective. Now the formula for it 
is really straightforward. The effective rate is nothing but 1 plus the APR over the number of compoundings per year to the number of compoundings per year minus 1. So in other words, the effective rate would essentially be, if there's only one compounding per year, it would be equal to 1 plus the APR I'll do that as an absolute reference, divided by the number of compoundings per year to the number of compoundings per year to the first power, and then minus 1. So not surprisingly, not surprisingly, if there's only one compounding per year, the effective rate is the same as the APR. But as the number of compoundings in per year increases, whoops, I did it again. to the number of compoundings per year, minus 1. So you notice that the effective rate goes up. Now, you can do this in Excel this way, using the actual formula. And you notice that I almost blew it there. There's another way to do it, though. Equals effect. The nominal rate is the APR, and the number of compoundings is that right there. Oops. Now, so EFF effect, E-F-F-E-C-T, gives you the effective rate. There's even another way you can do it if you want to use your calculator. And again, showing you more than one way can be confusing. I appreciate that. But you'll find that there's a way that's your go-to. If I use my calculator, turn it on, second quit, get back out to the main screen. Watch the keystrokes. And I'll do them slowly so you can write them down. Apps, the first one, finance. Now if you scroll all the way down to 
letter C, EFF, hit enter. Put in your APR, 5.25, comma, let's say the number of compoundings is 12. Close the parenthesis, there it is. That's the way to do it on the calculator. Apps, finance, scroll all the way down to the one called EFF, hit enter, and then just key in the APR and key in the number of compoundings per year, comma. Notice that effective interest rate does not have anything to do with the present value, the future value, how much you put in, anything like that. And so on an exam, a quiz or an exam, I might tell you how much is invested or how much is at the end. I'm bluffing you. All you need to do for an effective rate is know the APR and the number of compoundings per year. And notice that that's true in Excel as well. All you need to do the formula is the APR and the number of compoundings per year. So that's the effective rate. So those are the last two for the lump sums. And I do appreciate that this is, as we go more into the technologies of our time, we're having more of a load of things to remember, and that's unfortunate. Finally, and these, I wouldn't even try to do these by formula, what I'm going to show you today. The calculator does it just fast, and so do, and Excel does it fast too. The only difference with the, well, I shouldn't say, say that, the Excel formulas for present value and future value for what I'm going to do today, you have to remember this whole chain of things that you have to put into the arguments of the formula. But it all starts with the term annuities. Which is a fancy way of saying a cash flow. In other words, not a lump sum, it's a flow. Technically, I mean, a lump sum is an annuity of one payment. This is more than one payment. Okay. Now, the ones that we'll work with mostly, but not at, there's a time when we won't work with these, but the first one is a level annuity versus a non-level. A level is all payments are the same. Non-level payments are different. The non-levels are where Excel just comes shining through. When we used to have to do this by hand, it was, you see, mortgage payments are a level annuity. You're paying the same amount every month, car payments the same way. 
you put money into your pension plan, it's probably going to be a level annuity. You put the same amount in, in every pay, out of every paycheck, that kind of thing. Those are the level ones, and they are dominant. As, and in financial planning, those are the ones that you are going to be using the most if you get into that kind of stuff. Non-level annuities are more likely to show up in things like finding the present value of the free cash flows of a corporation because those will be different every year. So you have to take them each back to find out what their present value is. Now there's another part to this too. Ordinary. An ordinary annuity payments at the end of every period. Those are norm those are the typical ones for home payments, car payments. You get the loan, one month later you make your first payment, then one month after that. So they occur at the end of every period. An annuity due is when payments are at the beginning of the period. Of periods. I mean, there's a place where annuity dues show up rather <coughs> And I'll tell you how you know that it's an annuity due. Typically, we're dealing with ordinary annuities, especially with present values. Sometimes a future value has an annuity due. Let me give you an example. You, madam, you decide to buy your first car. Now, we're going to talk about this. What's your first... What, what's your car that you would like to have? New. My dream car? No, well, let's not go too crazy on the dreams. <laughs> you know? What? what? Really? Okay. <laughs> no, 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 okay, that's okay. At least you did say a Kia Soul. I mean, I you know. I can say my dream car. What's your dream car? An Aston Dear God. Okay, yeah, yeah. You need a big job for that. I mean, I almost passed out. I, I, we're going to, I'm going to show you how to do car payments, how to calculate them yourself. It's not that hard. I mean, on the calculator, it's like a joke to do it. But, I mean, you get these. I had some guy, he said, well, I want a Ford 150. I mean, my God, the payments were like $700 a month. You know, do you live in the truck? Uh, but then you have people, well, I want a Kia Soul. No, because the government's going to start recalling for ugly. That, that's not fair. No, 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 no. I, I, I lied. Uh, yeah, I want a Tesla. Yeah, that's a, it's okay. Because in a massive accident, the lithium batteries will kill you immediately when they blow up. Okay, so anyway. Uh, okay, now here, that's a, a normal, because you take out the loan, and you're going to make your first payment in a month on a house payment. One month after that house, uh, you get the loan, you get the payment. But where would you have payments at the beginning of every period? Well, like I said, the most common place for that to happen, where you have an annuity due, is with a future value, 
and it's a special, let, let, let me start like this. Um, uh, you. Someday, you'll have a significant other, okay? Someday. You know, they won't swipe left forever, okay? <laughs> now, you and the significant other have been together for a long time, and then one day she says three words to you. No, it's not I am, uh, I love you. It's I am pregnant. Now, for me, you know, I thought about killing myself, you know, right there. <laughs> but you, you live through it. And you have, go to the birth, and the child is born. And you're just, I mean, I was exhausted after it. I mean, I was just, I mean, I was a mess. I left the uh, hospital. But you're going to go, I'm going to do right by this child. Today, it's birthday. I'm going to start putting in money so that every year... There's this money on the birthday. And then on the 17th birthday, that would be 18 payments. I will put in the last. And then on the 18th birthday, I will take the money out and give it as the 18th birthday check to the kid. Okay? You know, for college or rehab or whatever. Okay? <laughs> you see, that's an annuity due. Guarantee you on the midterm exam, I'll give you an annuity due, 2,000 every year from the kid's birth to 17. You let it all ride for one year and pull it out. That is a classic annuity due, is where you're putting in your money, your first payment right away. Now, in financial planning, this, is, this plays a big role, and you do these Excel sheets, and it looks like you've done all this work, but it's all Excel, where they tell you, well, we want to have these goals, okay, we want a house, $250,000 in 10 years. We want to buy another car for $35,000 in every three years. So what you're doing is you're collecting all of these targets, future values, and then you figure out what payments will get you to that starting with right now. You collect them together and say, write me a check starting today for this amount, and you do this every month, and then every one of your goals will be hit. Just mathematics. That's annuity due, future value of an annuity due, and it's all just a string of those future values on a stupid Excel sheet. So let me start with a present value. Okay. And I'll show you how to do this on the calculator. I'm not even going to show you the formulas. Yes, there are formulas to do this, but those formulas completely break down for annuities, especially for non-level annuities. So it's, anymore, it's just not worth it to even show it. Let me try this. Okay. Wait, let's do it. One month, one month from today, you will 
receive a check for $4,000. And these will arrive every month for the next 10 years. What is the present value of this annuity? If you discount the cash flows, at an annual rate of 3.89%. Sort of a classic kind of problem. First of all, it's an ordinary annuity the payments are happening at the end of every period. So that's a, that's a clue right there. And then the rest of it, one thing that is not there is the APR. I gave you the APR, but I didn't give you the compoundings per year. It's hidden in there. It's implied. Because if the payments are going to come in every month, that by its nature, makes the compoundings monthly, okay? So keep an eye that even if I don't give you the compoundings, if I had said you'll get these checks quarterly, that would have meant that there are four compoundings per year. So now, taking this for what it's worth, on the calculator, and the calculator turned off. God! No, seriously, what? Uh, okay. Okay, apps, finance, or finance if you come from Rockford. Uh, TVM solver. Watch this. N, 10 years times 12 compoundings per year. Remember, times for compoundings in N. The APR, 3.89, divided by the 12. Remember, the I is divided. And then you crank, really? Do you see what I did there? I didn't go down. Wow, okay. So let's try that again. 3.89 divided by 12, down. Now here, we are going to calculate the present value. So we leave that alone. Don't delete it, for God's sake. That confuses the calculator. You can go back up. Now the payments are $4,000 a month. Now the future value is a zero. 
There's no kicker at the end. There's just the payments. The only time you would ever see, well, we'll you'll see a kicker with bonds when we get to the topic of corporate bonds. But in everyday normal life, the only time you would ever see a future value of one kind or another is in car lease agreements. You know how those work? You just pay a payment every month, and then at the end of like three years, you give the car back. Well, a lot of those have a, an option at the end where you can pay a final amount and own the car. That's really the only place I can think of that you would have an FV there. For the most part, it's just going to be a zero. Now you go back up here to the PV, and you alpha solve that. Thirty-nine thousand. Oh, my ass. Really? That's a lot of money. Well, I guess so. You're putting in four grand every month for 120 months. Yeah. Okay. Three hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars. Okay. Now, let's do it in Excel. Let's do PV, <coughs> FV, whoops, um, FV, APR, PMT, compounding per year, years. So now the present value is what we don't know. There is no future value. The APR, what did I say it was? 3.89%. Don't forget to put in a percent in Excel, not in the calculator. Payments, $4,000 every month. Compoundings per year, 12. Number of years, 10. Go back up to the PV equals PV. Did I? Yeah. I was just testing you there. I wanted to see if you could catch that when I made that mistake. That's good. You did it. You know what? <laughs> Watch this. Here, I'll solve that problem. Delete that. Oh, no, I want to delete the damn column. Yeah, compound my errors. You know, what's the present value of a compounded error? Okay, let's try that one more time, okay? And this time, get off my back. Zero. Zero. Uh, APR, 3.89%. That's what I get for talking and chewing gum at the same time. Payments, 4000 Compounding per year, 12. Years, 10. By the way, just as trying to recover my dignity for making that mistake, why did I delete that column instead of just delete the numbers? Do any of you know? Once you put that in there, it's possible, not always, but Excel might say, oh, fat boy wants everything in this cell to be a percent. So you have to clear it to get rid of what it has already locked in as the uh, 
as the format for the cell. So now let's see if we can do this. Equals PV open parenthesis. Uh, now the rate, now the, that'll be the APR divided by the compoundings per year. The number of periods will be the number of years times the number of compoundings per year. And then the payments will be right there. Now, there's no future value, zero. That would be B2. It's hiding B2. Now, something here. Here, you probably will want to say whether it's a zero or a one. This is an ordinary annuity, so it's going to default to zero, so I really don't worry about it. But remember those FV calculations. I can have annuity due, and that would mean that I've got, uh, I'd have to put a one there. So it gets to be more of a good habit to put it there. Close the parentheses, and there you go. And of course, in present values go in as negatives, they come out as negatives. But there it is. And, um, and then you can just work it around. Now let's do another one. You, you just had your first child, and you really are going to put in, let's say, $2,500 every year, okay? And um, what you'll do is you're, uh, you'll just do that for 17 years. Uh, until the 17th birthday. That will be 18 payments, okay? So let me, let me delete everything here. Okay, so now, in this case, we don't have, we're not putting in a kicker at the beginning. It's just the payments. So the PV is zero. Now the FV is what we're going to calculate. Now let's say that you can put this money into some kind of a savings account, 5.25%, and you're going to do these annually. So the payments, let's say $2,500. Compoundings per year, one, because you're going to just do it on each birthday. And the number of years is going to be 18, because 0 through 17 is 18. Now, the future value will be FV times, uh, not times, open parenthesis, the rate, which would be the APR, B3, divided by the number of compoundings per year, B5, comma, the number of periods, eight, uh, the number of years, times compoundings per year, comma, the payments, right there, the present value is zero, and this time the type is one, because we're doing it starting now. So that'd be 75 grand on the kid's 18th birthday. 
one year after the last payment, there would be $75,773 or so in the account. One thing on, in your, in your homework, they'll say round to two decimal places, four, six, whatever. On my quizzes and exams, I usually just have you round to the nearest dollar. It's just, I mean, it's just asking for trouble when the de there's decimals involved. So that would be rounded to the nearest dollar. That'd be $75,774. And you can do that. Scoot it. Whoops, not that way. Like that. Okay, so now that is a future value. But let's get, so you can do present value, future value, annuity, do ordinary annuity. They're all pretty straightforward to do. Let me do this one in the calculator. Okay. On, okay, N is 18 times 1. The I percent is 5.25 divided by 1. You're saying, well, why are you doing that? Well, it's just to make it consistent. There is no initial kicker, but we do put in $2,500 every year. We are going to find the future value. Here's the, here's the problem, though. This is an annuity due. For God's sake, don't forget to change it from end to beginning. Just remember that. The bad part is that you might get the next problem where it's an ordinary annuity and you forget to toggle back. For heaven's sakes, keep an eye on that. Don't forget that. And now we go back up here and let's find out what the future value is. Alpha solve. There you go. You'll... I, 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 I'm cautious about saying this, but for these kinds of problems, the calculator is almost faster than the Excel. It is, it is quicker to get it done. Now, especially with the next one, that dream car of yours, what was that car? A Honda Civic. What, like a CX-7, a CR-1? Uh, do you have a dream car, ma'am? No? Don't your dreams expand to have, you know, what, did someone call a good one? Oh, really? <laughs> okay, well, now tell me what the one was that you were thinking of, um, uh, Mercedes, Mercedes. 263, C63, 2014. 2014. I'm going to see if I can find a price for it. That's a classic. 30, 9.95. Okay, fine. You're going to go buy this car for thirty thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars out the door. Okay. Now, 
apps finance TVM solver. You get a six year with monthly payments and an APR of 5.99%, which be, would be divided by 12. You're going to borrow 30,000, that'll be the present value, 995. And there's no future value. And this is an ordinary annuity. So now let's go up and see what your payments are going to be. Alpha, solve, $513.53 a month. Okay, I think I, that's enough about that. And remember, next week on Wednesday, there's a surprise quiz. That's all I have for you today. I thank you.